the Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. Leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. Let Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler show you what it takes to become a top 10% performer in your organization. Now, here are your hosts, Dr. Greenberg and Dr. Nadler. Welcome to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers. I'm Dr. Relly Nadler. We have Dr. Kathy Greenberg on the line, and we're your leadership development coaches. We have helped thousands of leaders and executives to perform in the top 10%. And today's show features Dr. Ken Jennings. He's the Managing Director of Third River Partners, a leader development and strategy consultancy that works with senior executive teams to achieve dramatic business results. In today's show, we're going to talk about coaching for leadership effectiveness and establishing a strategic human capital change agenda. Uh, Ken's current work on one of his books, the serving leader that has five powerful actions that will transform your team, your business, and your community. And Kathy and I always want to bring the best in current leadership topics and the people that we interview who are proven leaders and provide evidence-based best practices to help you develop more leaders in your organization. And Kathy, welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the show today. We're very excited to have Ken Jennings with us from Third River Partners, who's a former friend of mine from Accenture. And we know that um, many of you who are listening realize that leaders are the heartbeat of any organization. And most leaders do tend to underestimate just how much influence they have over others, and thus they and their teams can sometimes underperform. But Relly and I know that doing just a few things differently can really drastically really drastically, I want to just put that out there, improve your performance and your organizations. And what you'll learn in these shows are certainly about developing more leaders in your company, what happy companies know about performance, all about emotional intelligence and positive psychology strategies. We talk about work-life balance and how to manage your work environment, plus many more tools and tips. Today's guest is Ken Jennings. He's Managing Director of Third River Partners, a leadership development and strategy execution consultancy, working with senior executive teams to achieve dramatic business results. Ken teaches leadership, strategy, and change management around the world. He is a former co-director of the Global Leadership Program at the University of Michigan Business School, and he draws on his deep experience as a managing partner at Accenture in change management. Ken's areas of expertise include initiative-based development and executive coaching for leadership effectiveness, developing high-performance teams, diagnosing organizational performance gaps, and facilitating organizational performance improvement. He assists boards and senior managers on leadership development, and he specializes in execution of strategy through human capital development. Ken has been responsible for helping creating growth strategies and human capital innovations for leading healthcare, manufacturing, defense, financial services, and service organizations, including J.P. Morgan Partners, General Electric, General Mills Pillsbury, and he's worked in pharmaceuticals, including Abbott Laboratories, AstraZeneca, Novartis, Bayer, and Wyeth. He is a phenomenal human being, and we're really very, very happy to have him with us today. 
among all of the things that he's done, he is a respected author and lecturer, and he does great research in leadership and organizational development. His books include Changing Healthcare, Creating Tomorrow's Winning Health Enterprise, and along with author Dr. John Stalwart, The Serving Leader, Five Powerful Actions That Will Transform Your Team, Your Business, and Your Community. He is um, one of the... uh, Ken Blanchard Management Series authors, and he focuses on leadership with integrity and purpose. And his newest book, 10,000 Horses, reveals keys to employee engagement and leadership effectiveness. Welcome, Ken. It's a pleasure to have you here today. It's great to reconnect. Thank you for having me on. And thanks, Ken. We have a a series of questions that we want to ask you. And then uh, before we do that, we just want to pass on just some of the evidence base that we know about leadership that I know, Ken, you're uh, very familiar with. But we know that uh, leaders have anywhere from 50 to 70% influence over the climate of the team. That's why we talk about uh, leadership development news and why leaders are so important. They are, the leaders are the emotional thermostat for their team, and that's because emotions are contagious. And we also know the key to being a, a star performer, as we define someone being in the top 10%, typically is these emotional intelligence competencies. And the more a leader moves up in the organization, the more they need these competencies. Both Kathy and I are both certified coaches, and we we know that you can increase uh, performance in your organization by as much as 77% uh, by bringing in coaching. And you can increase coaching networks inside your company, usually in just one day. And we also know that happiness is tied to profit by more than 93%. If you have just training alone, it really helps, as we all know, about a 22% increase in productivity. But if you add training and then uh, on top of that you add individual coaching, the person's productivity can be enhanced by 88%. And like Kathy said earlier, if you can just do a few things differently, as we would say uh, micro-initiatives can create macro-impacts. If you're interested in more um, feedback and information from Kathy. Her website is www.h2cleadership.com for her happiness books, her tools, speaking keynotes, and leadership and coaching services. And if you're interested in more information from me, my website is www.truenorthleadership.com for emotional intelligence books, tools, speaking keynotes, leadership, and coaching boot camps. So, Ken, welcome again to the show. Thanks. And we wanted to, to start off, maybe you can tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came into the work uh, in the field of leadership development. Probably started with uh, my undergraduate experience at the Air Force Academy. Uh, West Point, Annapolis, and the Air Force Academy are pretty uh, finely tuned institutions, uh, taking young men and women and, uh, and discipline and thinking about leadership. Uh, it was a deep dive for me into uh, into role models that were good leaders at the academy, and then uh, heading out in the field as a military officer, uh, preparing to take young men and women uh, potentially into harm's way. You think very seriously seriously about leadership. Um, I guess though that same question I've asked I asked uh, business school students, and I I hear a common answer from them probably applies to myself. Um, I learned a lot of leadership from my dad. Um, my, my father was an entrepreneur, and I remember him buying a 
55-acre farm outside of our little town in West Virginia, uh, declaring to my family he was going to turn that into a housing subdivision. We thought he had a screw loose, but uh, my brother and I got to watch him build roads and houses and and lead an effort. I, I, I think that was probably where I became interested in influence uh, early on at home. Ken, it's um, fascinating to, to reconnect with you um, after uh, Same here, Kathy. so many years. And uh, we've obviously um, gone in, in very similar directions with uh, very similar outlooks. Yeah. I'd love to know more about what you see as the main leadership challenges yeah. in organizations today, because uh, I know you and, and Relly and myself are always in companies looking at these issues, but I, I'd love to know more about how you see these challenges. You know, it's, a, um, it's the right question to ask. Um, I, I, I find that what we're uh, taught, the conventional wisdom around leadership, uh, is remarkably wrong in many cases. Uh, so I find myself in a position, as I'm sure both of you do, to to challenge the, the conventional wisdom. Uh, I've done my writing by articulating paradoxes. You think one thing is true when something paradoxically the other way around is true. Uh, an example, uh, leaders are often taught that uh, you you get to the top so that you're in charge, and that, that defines success. I think that my observation, and it's not original with me, let's, let's take Jim Collins and, and his good to great. He identified a leader he called a level five leader that paradoxically was humble. Don't think of that as a leadership trait, but ferociously committed to do whatever it takes to be successful in the organization. Turn the temperature up on the thermostat as, as, you, uh, as you're introduced. So I think... A primary first challenge is to challenge the conventional wisdom of what we define a leader to be. And so um, I'm familiar with Jim Collins' in his uh, level five, you know, being humble and that incredible drive. What what would you say are some of the old uh, ways of thinking about leadership that you're that you're saying uh, don't work, or you're finding in your work uh, are are not as successful? You know that. Uh, let me give you a couple, three examples. Um, we're often told that, and I've we, we wrote about this in the Serving Leader book, um, we're told that you have a set of strengths and weaknesses and that to get better, you better go work on your weaknesses. And it turns out, as you certainly know, that's lousy advice. They're called weaknesses for a reason. You're You're not good at them. It's a better, paradoxically, to focus on what you're strong at and you get better faster, uh, and then build a team around you that has complementary strengths, much like putting together, say, a jigsaw puzzle. Part of my uh, challenge as a leader is to bring, bring people together that have heterogeneous skills. They look different. Our common mistake is to try to hire people that look like us, when the opposite is more effective, to bring people together that have widely divergent yet complementary sets of strengths. So our mantra here is to build on strength as one of the five actions of the serving serving leader. This is a, it's a bit par- paradoxical. I could give you a couple more examples if you wish, but I should 
I should pause for breath. And... No, no, no worries. We love examples, and I'd love you to build on that idea because Relly and I, um, and and many of our guests have talked about the critical importance of building on strength. Relly, I think we're going to have to come back to that thought. Yeah. Okay, we'll be right back with Ken Jennings of Third River Partners right after this break, and you're listening to Leadership Development News. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Once upon a time, there lived three energy hogs. Now, an energy hog is what you have when humans waste energy. One day, the three energy hogs set out to find themselves a cottage. Let's look for leaky windows, said the first energy hog, for he knew that would waste energy. Let's look for leaky doors, said the second. Let's look for a swing set, said the third, for he had more blubber than brains. So they set off down the road. Presently, they came upon a tiny cottage where dwelled a clever girl named Dreadylocks. I open as leaky windows, cried the first energy hog. I open as leaky doors, cried the second. I open as the bathroom, cried the third, for only his brains were smaller than his bladder. But Dreadylocks liked playing cool games at energyhog.org. And from energyhog.org, she learned how to use energy wisely. So the three energy hogs were forced to look elsewhere to waste energy and had to use the disgusting restroom at the gas station down the road. And the moral of the story is, to use energy wisely, log on to energyhog.org or waste not, hog not. This public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Energy and the Ad Council. This is Ed Hanway, CEO of Cigna Corporation. Join us in celebrating all babies, those born healthy and those who need help to survive. Go to marchofdimes.com and tell your special baby's story. Read other stories, too. And while you're there, learn how you can help the March of Dimes fight premature birth and give babies a healthy start. What a wonderful way to celebrate babies. MarchofDimes.com. The Internet's only all business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Listening to Leadership Development News, Profiles and Practices of Top Performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Ken Jennings of Third River Partners. And just before the break, Ken was talking to us about one of the actions from his book, and we won the, the Serving Leader. 
Maybe, Ken, you can first tell us about um, that book. I know you have a more recent book that we'll talk about also, but this, tell us a little about The Serving Leader, and then we'll get into the uh, five actions that you explore there. Well, The Serving Leader, um, I got interested in writing with my partner, John Stalwart, in the form of a novel and a story. We were encouraged by our buddy Ken Blanchard to try to write it differently. So it's in the form of a story about a father and a son learning about leadership together, applying in the inner city and in companies and in their, uh, obviously, their own lives. Uh, my friend John Stalwart, my co-author, John's a working CEO. He runs a uh, inner city uh, foundation in Pittsburgh uh, called the Pittsburgh Leadership Foundation where they build leaders in the nonprofit uh, sector. So John's a working CEO and a pastor. Uh, I'm kind of typecast as the uh, consultant and business school professor. Uh, we're very, we're a very unlikely uh, pair to be best friends, which we are. Yeah. A year ago, we moved to Pittsburgh and bought the house next door to them, and we actually can look out each other's living room windows and wave. <laughs> so that's been fun. Well, you know, Ken, it's funny that uh, you bring up the the leadership program that you have um, helped co-develop because I actually have had clients um, who have been uh, in attendance at that program through um, PNC Bank. So uh, it's funny how all these things get knit back together. So you were talking before about building on strengths as one of those actions. Can you talk a little bit more? You said you had some examples. Sure. So we'd love to have our listeners hear some of your terrific examples that come from your book. Well, let me... uh... Uh, actually, an example uh, that's related to build on strength uh, goes right into one of the, the next actions that we call raise the bar. If I believe in the concept that if, if you focus on improving against your signature strengths and you get better and better at those, as a leader, you can raise the bar of expectations uh, for those who work with and for you. You can't raise it too high if you have insight into the strengths of your team uh, you challenge them against those strengths, you get a whole lot more out of them than you expected and even they expected. So uh, the raise the bar uh, example has to do with not settling for mediocre expectations, but really challenging people, but challenging them in a rather specific way, which uh, um, has to do with both your insight into their strengths and um, connecting their strengths to the larger goal of the organization. So it's, uh, it's a deep insight where leaders uh, have to have about emotional, being emotionally intelligent enough to discern the strengths of each of my team members and then customize challenges uh, for each of them. We call that raise the bar. And, and it sounds like, Ken, not only for the leader to do that, but it sounds like you're challenging the individuals to really tap into who they are and their strengths and, and, and how, do they, how do they focus on that more. Absolutely. And then you build a team uh, comprised of individuals that can hold each other accountable for raising the bar. Mm-hmm. A lot of great research and data suggests that your peer group has far more access and insight into how you are performing and you essentially enlist co-leaders. I like to say leadership is a team sport. Mm-hmm. It's not an individual sport. One of the paradoxes that we try to bust is the heroic leader on their horse leading us into battle. 
Um, business is too complex. The global environment's too complex for an individual heroic leader. Uh, it's a team sport, and you you help each other. You really a leader's task, as we say in the book, is first building a leadership team, and that's where you have to raise the bar. If you hire A plus players, uh, they're able then as a leadership team to hold high expectations for others. Uh, another one of our actions that's kind of related to that is uh, we called blaze the trail. It's uh, it's an interesting paradox again. The paradoxical statement we make in the book is that as a leader, your biggest obstacle paradoxically is what stands in the way of someone else, not yourself. Your biggest obstacle is what is in the way of someone else. So a great leader blazes a trail by removing obstacles, whether they be practices or poorly thought out policy or just education and training. People don't know how to do their work. Uh, a great leader is in touch enough with what the obstacles and barriers are of those that they lead. That's why we called it the serving leader. We, I'm sure all of your listeners are familiar with servant leadership. Mm-hmm. We called it serving with an ING to signify it's putting this to work, the action of serving. And one of the actions of serving here is to remove obstacles for those that work with and for you. That's great. I really like that. So the leader really needs to be aware of uh, not only other strengths, but then in the conversation or in coaching with them, what's, what's getting in their way and not only acknowledging that, but then somehow uh, helping to move away those obstacles. Absolutely. And it's, uh, it's not uh, rocket science to put yourself in touch with what the obstacles are. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Tom Peters was famous for introducing this management by walking around thing. Right. It's actually going out and listening to people and observing what their obstacles are. So we're uh, we're working with uh, a company called Frito Lay right now, uh, large a large consumer packaged goods company, and they're taking this concept of removing barriers and obstacles very much to heart from the CEO uh, Al Carey on down, uh, where he's looking for what barriers and obstacles to remove for uh, his his management team, and then seriously uh, gets involved in making sure they get removed. So you've got build on strengths, raise the bar, blaze the trail. Sounds like we're, we're two actions away from, <laughs> from, from hearing um, the mission of the serving leader. Right. So I, I'm trying to uh, build up suspense here. So <laughs> okay. A next and fourth one could be what we called upend the pyramid. And this goes right to the heart of uh, all of us have seen organizational charts that look like a, a pyramid, and I'm, I'm at the top. Uh, the graphic we use in the book is an upside-down pyramid that literally puts the serving leader at the bottom, and your role is to look up through the hierarchy and ask the question, how can I serve you? Uh, how can I facilitate you getting your work done better, faster? Uh, I just had a conversation a little bit after 7 a.m. with one of my large healthcare clients in San Diego. We started the day by talking about the actions of a serving leader. Uh, but upending the pyramid also, as you might expect, it's a, it gets a little personal here. It has to do with your ego. And um, my buddy Ken Blanchard talks a lot about this, that 
We've all been around leaders whose egos are so big that it sucks all the oxygen out of a room, and there's no room for others to contribute. And uh, others uh, hope to see that kind of leader fail. They're not going to be there to rescue you. A leader who gets their personal ego out of the way, genuinely modeling that they're open to ideas, open to uh, being a part of the team that gets a solution, not just the individual hero. People want to make that leader successful. Uh, lowering your ego allows others to want to to be helpful to you. So, Ken, just from a, from the practical standpoint, um, I'm sure you have some examples of that. Because I would think, just in, you know, in the coaching I do, and then Kathy does, and that you do, how do you go about that with somebody who who maybe you know has a big ego? They've been very successful, so it's kind of breaking that paradigm. Are there some kind of uh, tools or techniques that that, that help? Break down that ego? Yeah, I'd say there's three things that could go on that uh, checklist. Uh, one is to arm them uh, with open-ended questions. You help them go into a meeting uh, prepared, literally, structurally, with a list of, of open-ended questions where they probe. And uh, instead of saying, don't be the first to speak, it's, it's hard for, to tell someone what not to do. Yeah. Tell them what to do. So try to arm them with open-ended questions. They go in and, and probe and, and literally model that they're uh, pulling out of others their ideas. So it's almost like you're preparing them to be a leader as coach. Exactly. Um, you are uh, demonstrating that they are coaches, not just leaders. And uh, I think a second thing is prepare the team to reinforce that. Uh, meet with them and say, look, when you see Susie doing this, we want to reinforce that behavior. So um, my friend Noel Tishy that I taught at University of Michigan with, Noel was famous uh, when he wrote The Leadership Engine and helped build Crotonville with Jack Welch for this phrase. When he would catch people doing something in the right direction, he would simply say, do more of that. Do more of that. That good thing you just did, do more of that. So I like to arm those around a leader when they catch them moving in the right direction, um, compliment them, say, do more of that, and they'll, uh, they'll do it. I think the third is that uh, you show them that the route to the top is a paradoxical route. That if they, um, I think we're all familiar with Marshall Goldsmith's uh, book. Uh, I won't quote it exactly, but what got you here won't get you there, I think was Marshall's phrase. Yep. I like to argue that uh, with, with leaders that the same set of behaviors that got you here are not going to get you to the next level, that, uh, um, that, you, have a, uh, that you have a chance to demonstrate something very, very different, that uh, the, the set of behaviors that you're on uh, on track to do that have to do with your own ego aren't going to take you to the top of the organization. So I guess those are three checklists that uh, go uh, with our fourth action here. Well, that's, getting, getting ready to give you the grand finale here. Yeah, that, that, that's perfect, actually. Um, couldn't ask for a better explanation, so go for it. So the, the fifth action of the serving leader and the kind of the capstone, and you're going to have to read the book to get it. <laughs> well, 
we're actually going to have to go to a break. Create the suspense here. We like suspense. Then uh, after the break, I'll fill you in on the fifth action of the serving leader. Wonderful. Thank you so much. We're talking with Ken Jennings of Third River Partners, and we'll be right back. This is Dr. Relly Nadler and Kathy Greenberg on Leadership Development News. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and influence so you and your team perform better what do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately how do you delegate effectively how do you develop strong relationships across the organization emotional intelligence training coaching books and tools by dr nadler are available at his website www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066 before every word there is a thought Before every action, there is a thought. If everything starts with a leader, what happens when leaders around the world start to think and do things differently? I'm thinking the world will change. Evolve the leader. Evolve the company. Change the world. Join Susan Kavanaugh for Summit Speak. All Leaders Rise. Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Adding fractions is nothing. For real? Look. These are denominators. You multiply this one so that it's the same as that, and you add them up. Man, that's easy. Charles Bennett dreamed of returning to the old neighborhood as a teacher. But without money for college, only half of his dream came true. He's back in the old neighborhood. Well, enough math. I got to deliver these sandwiches. Please support the United Negro College Fund. A mind is a terrible thing to waste. A message from the UNCF and the Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. We're talking with Dr. Ken Jennings from Third River Partners. And Ken left us just in suspense. We've gone through four of the five key actions from one of his books, The Serving Leader. And, Ken, why don't you uh, bring it on home with this fifth action? Thanks. I, I'm, uh, I'm anxious to, uh, to get you reading the book as well as hearing it. The last one we call Run to Great Purpose. Sure. And uh, the principle here is that um, we come to organizations and we stay with organizations, and we commit to organizations when we discern a greater purpose to what they're all about. Uh, I do a lot of work in healthcare, and it's pretty easy to see a greater purpose. We're 
uh, here at Amelin, where I'm working today, we're uh, we're knocking the lights out, pushing back on diabetes. Uh, I love working in medical technology, but every organization, um, when you think about it, uh, the road crew that's out patching up potholes are actually helping families join together and get them to work. We can envision a greater purpose. So uh, we ended the serving leader by talking about running to greater purpose, running to a greater goal. So the the leader's role in all of this then is to hold out in front of the organization every day a reason why so big that it requires them to give their very best effort. And uh, we've had fun with this last uh, run to great purpose, a greater goal. And, in fact, that's uh, a new book John Stalwart and I are working on now titled The Greater Goal, kind of in process now at the moment. But that's the fifth action of uh, the serving leader. So, Ken, tell us a little bit about how this book got into the hands of some officials in China and opened up uh, an opportunity there that has been uh, an ongoing project that seems to have had some really strong and profound impact in terms of your greater purpose. Sure. Well, it's a it's an interesting uh, route that we've, uh, we've gone through. The serving leader, I'm guessing now, I think it's in nine languages around the world, and one that it's in is in Chinese. I can't read it, but it's in Chinese. And uh, a few years ago, one of my good friends, Doug Wilson, uh, he's now the head of human resources for Hillenbrand International, Doug had been invited uh, to come to China and meet with uh, CEOs and entrepreneurs and talk with them about leadership. Um, and he called me and said, here's an idea, Ken. Uh, the Chinese are anxious to build a foundation that's strong. And they love this idea of the leader as serving. They have a tradition in China that goes back thousands of years of thinking about leadership, uh, not like we think of uh, of the uh paternalistic, hard-driving Chinese entrepreneur. There's actually a real root of uh, serving. So how would you like to uh, talk to the serving leader? So we uh, traveled to Shanghai as guests of uh, Shanghai University for Finance and Economics, SUFA, then went out way out west to a uh, city called Chengdu. I'd never heard of it, but it has 10 million people. How can I have missed a city with 10 million people? and uh, spoke to the leadership actions of the serving leader, and they loved it and invited us back. Um, My co-author then went to Beijing and uh, repeated uh, the program, and uh, we now have an ongoing relationship with the Chinese government to provide uh, leadership, entrepreneurial training, and uh, I'm anxious about getting back again. That's unbelievable, and it's such a wonderful story because... It, it also uh, tells us a little bit about how being uh, a serving leader um, is actually different and how it's perceived. Can you talk a little bit about how a serving leader is different? Well, I'd say probably uh, three things come to mind. Uh, one is a serving leader is very much in touch with the idea that they are the instrument. We don't use instruments. You yourself are the instrument of change of raising the temperature, and that uh, being transparent about who you are, um, letting people see your heart is equally legitimate as seeing your your ideas and your brain. Uh, 
this idea of uh, my my friend Ken Blanchard says uh, we lead with our heart, our head, our hands, and our habits. Serving leader is very clear that they're wiring all those together um, and being transparent about it. I think that they genuinely, secondly, get um, pleasure, get uh, joy, if I can use that strong a word, out of seeing work accomplished through others. Um, there's a there's something, I think, deeply spiritual about how we're wired up, uh, that we're wired up to get real joy out of helping others succeed, uh, not winning at any cost, but helping others win. Um, and if we tap into that uh, deep, I'd say, design of how we're, des- we're wired up, you get leaders that don't burn out, they fire up. Uh, they're excited about helping others to succeed. And I guess the third way that they're very uh, different is that they are learners. They learn about obstacles that are in front of people. They learn about the strengths of people in order to raise the bar. Uh, they learn all the time, so it's a it's a challenge. Um, before he passed away, I spent a day in uh, Peter Drucker's home, and uh, I asked a this was, this was uh, I think I was a little full of myself in this hour. I said, you know, Doctor Drucker, uh, I have a question for you. How, as a leader, can I attract uh, the the very best and brightest people to come and work for me? And he said, Ken, Ken. That shows me how little you know about leadership. <laughs> that, that's such a Peter Drucker answer, yeah. <laughs> he said, uh, your, your role is to uh, make an organization where you get the best out of everyone, those with ordinary talents, not just the best and brightest. You're there to get pleasure out of that and design an organization that works for everyone. Because at the end of the day, even though there's a war for talent, we all can't win the war for talent. We win with leading organizations that get the very best out of the talent we do have. That's great. That's a great story. You know, I have a, a question that, that I want to ask before we get to your uh, most recent book, 10,000 Horses, just about the, the story in the serving leader. And it sounds like that was kind of a new process of writing a story versus kind of a more business-type book. Sure, and, and maybe you can say kind of you know maybe, maybe the why and maybe anything you found about maybe the appeal of the story yes. embedded in the story are these principles. Well, it, it, my book before that, Changing Healthcare, was a uh, a tome, a strategy book around uh, creating organizations in the healthcare space that uh, probably my mother read and thirty seven other people. <laughs> Uh, dense and full of good ideas, but uh-huh. it's rare. The idea of writing a story, we created a, sto- a story with a, a father who's, uh, who's dying, to be quite frank, and hadn't connected with his adult son, who was a leadership management consultant out of Boston uh, for the firm, uh, yet not to be named. And they, uh, there's tension and distance and we were able to then use the form of a novel uh, to introduce emotion and heart uh, because leadership is an emotional game as well as an idea game. Uh, so I, I liked, and I was encouraged by Ken Blanchard. Uh, I'd say I give Ken the credit for saying, write this way, Ken. Uh, you, have, you have good ideas. Uh, make them into stories. Uh, 
So that's that. That's what got me triggered into doing it, writing a good story. And my co-author, John Stallworth, is an amazing writer. So he makes the story sing. And uh, people contact us from all over the world and tell us, this book changed my life. I doubt any of my strategy writings, um, people would contact us and say, that strategy sure changed my life. But uh, writing with emotion and impact, people will say, it changed the way uh, I look at the world and look at others. Well, you certainly changed one leader's life, who I understand quietly ordered 20,000 copies of the book even after it was a bestseller. We were shocked. Our uh, our uh, publisher got in touch with us and said, someone wants to be very quiet about this. They, they, they don't even want to be known. Uh, I'd say the average business book... It's interesting when you look at the statistics. Only sells, I'd say, three to four thousand copies. Correct. A bestseller is at the twenty thousand range. We had uh, we were triple that when uh, you know we were hearing from uh, our publisher that someone quietly wants to put a copy. It sounds like into the hands of twenty thousand people. So I, I thought that's a serving leader. Doesn't want to make be flashy. They just want to quietly be known for putting a a slim book in the hands of of those that they are serving. Well, it doesn't get any better than that when you can actually use one of your own actions in developing a greater purpose to help Absolutely. others. Absolutely. So, so tell us about your new book, 10,000 Horses, and, oh, and what was your inspiration for that book and what mission is embedded in there? Well, 10,000 Horses, again, a very emotional book. Um, it is uh, set in a western ranch in Colorado for foster kids um, who are hoping to be adopted. Um, into that situation comes a young executive from New York who wants to learn from the kids, frankly, uh, and one of his old mentors from business school who's now helping run this ranch wants to learn from the principles of how the kids are getting their lives together, setting goals, getting engaged, in a way that he can apply it back to his business. So John and I uh, have, again, written a book. John is the lead author on this one. And it's a fabulous book, I have to say, because I, I enjoy it myself, that uh, digs deep into the heart of uh, these kids that, when you think about it, are, are hoping to be included. And uh, then we turn that into a business story. Well, we're going to come back to that thought We're talking to Dr. Ken Jennings of Third River Partners. This is Dr. Relly Nadler and Kathy Greenberg taking a break on Leadership Development News. Come right back. The bottom line in business, Voice America Business. Most leaders underestimate their influence and power over others and thus underperform. Dr. Relly Nadler and Leaders Playbook help leaders point the way by providing the strategic place to get to the top in a simple paint-by-the-numbers process. Seasoned and emerging leaders will have answers to these questions. What are the steps to move up and become a star in your organization? How do you develop your people to be the next level leaders in the organization? What are your triggers that are holding you back and how do you manage them? How do you maximize your power and 
and influence so you and your team perform better. What do you do to ensure your communication is received accurately? How do you delegate effectively? How do you develop strong relationships across the organization? Emotional intelligence training, coaching, books, and tools by Dr. Nadler are available at his website, www.truenorthleadership.com or 805-683-1066. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Dad, let's sing that bedtime song. Rockabye baby by Newton's treetop. His first law of motion, make sure you won't stop. The same rules of physics apply to a ball. While gravity is a force that makes things fall. By the sixth grade, many girls lose interest in math and science, but it's never too early to set your daughter's future in motion. For some simple ideas, go to girlsgotech.org. A public service announcement brought to you by Girl Scouts of USA and Ad Council. The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. You're listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We know you have leadership questions that you're just dying to ask, so call us toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, let's get back to the show. Welcome back to Leadership Development News. Today we're talking with Dr. Ken Jennings, who's the managing director of Third River Partners. And just before the break, you were talking about your last, your most recent book, Ten Thousand Horses, and the story that's in there. And I know that's also a book that focuses on engagement and and transformation. So maybe you can tell us a little bit more about that and how the story ties into that engagement and transformation. Absolutely. Um, the the kids in the uh, this Western Ranch uh, learn the importance first of uh, building trust. Um, you can imagine through coming up through a foster care system that your trust has been bruised, and these kids learn about the importance of, of trust from very caring adults. They're also um, raising wild mustangs. So, uh, the title kind of hints at that. And when you work with a, a wild animal, uh, that you obviously have to gain their trust. So the kids learn to trust. They learn to build trust. And it turns out that this young young executive learning skills of leadership to turn his company around, that's one of his first big lessons learned is now I he has to go back and rebuild trust with his team. He's rushed past that. He's been in, into telling uh, rather than uh, connecting and building trust. Um, another uh, part of this uh, lesson that the kids are learning has to do with challenge. Um, we unintentionally, in a, in a lot of different forums, uh, 
our education system and how we work with young adults, we unintentionally communicate that uh, just get by. Um, get by in school, get by in life. Don't push yourself too hard. But uh, popular movies and our, our reading points out to us that when kids are challenged with chess, with building on their strengths, they, they raise to the challenge. Uh, this is an echo from the serving leader, but it's challenged in a different way here where they are challenging each other. Uh, the kids put together projects that they work on together. They recruit other team members based on their strengths. And you look at a working level of these are teenagers challenging each other to take a step up. And again, this young executive from New York learns about challenge in a way that they can uh, take those skills back to his own his own team. Ken, can you talk a little bit in the uh, the time that we have left about your work with healthcare organizations? We've had some healthcare leaders on the program, yeah. uh, Ben Lytle, Q Lytle, um, the co-founder of Cancer Treatment Centers of America, Bob Mayo. Um, how 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 do you um, see your work in in raising engagement uh, and um, and this serving leader stewardship and mission in healthcare organizations? We have a, a rather specific approach to our work in healthcare, and we're working with uh, uh, a number of of large health organizations across the value chain, biopharmaceuticals, managed care. Um, it's it's a, uh, I call it initiative-based development. I think your listeners may think of action learning and that our challenge to healthcare uh, executives is let's not just go off and do leadership development on its own on one hand or do project breakthrough on the other. Let's combine the two. Let's actually organize some of your best high-potential leaders against your most challenging projects. Let's call that an initiative and an initiative-based development team. So two things happen. We help drive a team through to strategy success, get that initiative implemented. At the same time, we use the grist of their real work against that challenge and with each other as feedback or how you're doing as a leader, how you're doing as, te- as a team. And I, I think the research is clear. Uh, Center for Creative Leadership helped put an exclamation point on that, that the most rapid development as a uh, leader occurs in these crucibles. Uh, Bob Thomas at Accenture uses that term a lot, crucibles of experience. And that, to me, sounds like what we're doing in healthcare: real projects with real feedback for teammates on how you're doing. So we can promise them, oh, you're going to get at, at least a 10-to-1, more likely a 100-to-1 dollar payback uh, for the effort you're putting into this initiative, both in terms of successful projects and the successful development of, of new leaders. That's outstanding. I want to just make sure that our listeners have your contact details. I know they can reach you at www.theservingleader.com. They can also reach you at www. Third, that's three rd dash river dot com. Let me say that again: www dash river dot com. That's great. You can also Google me, Ken Jennings. You'll first get the winner of Jeopardy, Ken Jennings. <laughs> so I'm often asked. I got asked by my driver in a car not too long ago. He said, "Ken Jennings, huh? 
What's the capital of Uganda? Oh, for God's <laughs> sakes. Then he wanted an extra tip probably for you. Probably, doing. but you can Google me as well. And, and that's Jennings, J-E-N-N-I-N-G-S. Kathy. That's it. Beautiful. It's really been wonderful reconnecting, Kathy, with you and meeting your running mate. I look forward to uh, um, meeting you both in person. Sounds like we've got a lot of intersecting circles, and we both are passionate about making leaders uh, better at what they're doing to make a difference. Well, and I think, Ken, what I loved about this is just the uh, insight about a leader and, and how they can serve others. And I, and I think that Kathy and I have said at the beginning of our show that most leaders underestimate just how much influence they have. I mean, it's almost like they have uh, blinders on that they're just getting the job done when everybody else has, has a spotlight on them. And what are some of the keys that these leaders can do you know, to really help bring about changes in their organizations. I think you shed light on a lot of that. Well, it's paradoxical and it's hard, but it's worth it. So uh, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, it's been a pleasure. We um, always like to have fascinating, interesting, capable people on the show who not only have a message uh, that they can write, but a message they can speak to that engages the hearts and minds of our listeners and who is a practical person who can help them also apply many of these uh, skills that you talk about in the book, and we're, we're very honored to have had you with us today and want to make sure if there's any specific message you want to leave our listeners with, you have an opportunity here to share that. I think the message that's become uh, clear to me every day is that uh, leadership is a team sport, that you can't do this alone. Think very carefully about the team that you surround yourself with. Are they, are they willing to give you the hard truth and feedback to uh, let you raise your own bar, uh, to point out what your strengths are, uh, to help you blaze the trail for others, and all together agree on this thing of running together to a greater purpose. The idea of uh, being a team sport, that says to me, be, be very ultra-careful about the team that you surround yourself with. So that'd be, my, that'd be my thought. I love the partners I work with. Uh, they challenge me, and, and together we're out building leaders around the, around the globe, and we love it. So, again, thank you very much. Well, thanks, uh, Ken. I think this has been great. I think we have, you know, it's not, it looks like about another 30 seconds. I know we have one last question. Just any of your, you alluded to this, are leaders made or are they kind of created through their uh, crucibles, or is there a combination? I think we're wired up with a unique set of gifts that we can, uh, in that regard, we are, we're made. But then we surround ourselves with challenges and people who challenge us to live out those gifts every day. In that regard, we're made. Oh, beautiful. Thank you. You've been listening to Leadership Development News with Dr. Relly Nathan, Dr. Kathy Greenberg, and our special guest, Dr. Ken Jennings. Join us again next week. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to Leadership Development News, profiles and practices of top performers with your hosts, Drs. Kathy Greenberg and Relly Nadler. We sincerely hope that you're leaving us today with some great ideas and inspiration from today's top leaders. Join us again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time right here on the Voice America Business Channel.